This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. to episode 400 of the Yellow World Pods. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's great exciting week in the Bundesliga and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day in the Champions League. For all that and more, joins me Konstantin Eckner. Hello Konstantin, how are you doing after yesterday's great result? Hello, hello. Yeah, thanks for the applause. <laughs> Stefan, how is it going? Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about you having a soundboard now, too. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> uh, well, well, well. What can I do with this little little thing here? Oh, it's actually not little. It's actually like half the size of my table. But uh, that's a different story for a different time. Um, hi, Stefan. Yeah. Um, I mean, the people are excited uh, about me being on the show. Uh, maybe they are not as excited about uh, Dortmund's recent outings uh, or recent outing in La Champions League. I don't know. I feel like that's a little presumptive, but I feel like you were half right at least. <laughs> half right, yeah, I know. I, know. Uh, I all, don't know. Maybe some people don't like ultras. the music. So, um, yeah. All right. So, um, obviously, we need to talk about the Champions League, but uh, I like chronology. So, uh, let's talk about what happened uh, on the weekend. And I guess uh, the narrative starts on Friday when uh, Bayern fell 2-1 to away to FC Augsburg. Uh, I think we watched with malicious glee uh, on, on the previous episode, uh, realizing, Matthias and I, that is, uh, that Bayern had to play on a Friday after the international break, which is never nice. And uh, on a playing on a Friday night away to Augsburg after an international break is always, always tough. And uh, yeah, they did take the L. And that meant Dortmund could cut down the lead in the Bundesliga table to one point and allow Dortmund fans to dream a little, just a little, but, you know, nevertheless, it's nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, Dortmund actually didn't choke. They uh, converted and came away with three points, a goal from Mark Royce in the 85th minute. Let's talk about it, Konstantin. And uh, I don't know where you want to start, um, but uh, maybe with the first half, which, of course, was scoreless, uh, what are you making of uh, Dortmund and Stuttgart playing a very nitty-gritty game? I guess it was uh, as expected in a way uh, that they played this kind of um, almost to, to a stalemate. Although, I mean, Stuttgart, they had a, uh, at least the shots uh, when it comes to um, getting something on target. Um, so I had, a, I had a little bit of a bad gut feeling um, because... Although Stuttgart, they have have has or they had struggled before uh, this match because uh, Matarazzo has changed uh, personnel a couple of times and like I know he's he's like he's doing a lot of things and and trying out a lot of things but nothing's really sticking right now. Uh, I still like a. 
bad gut feeling <laughs> at first at least uh given that, that stuttgart can be like a high press team uh, can be quite intense at least for like 60 minutes or so so i wasn't really sure about it i i like the slight change in like midfield with front um, a little bit higher and, and Bellingham a little bit deeper and, and you know these little little kinds of things that, that I you know hope to see from Marco Rose of course so why I wasn't really ex excited about the first half uh, despite like Dortmund having a lot of possession and like looking uh, halfway decent um, yeah I'm I don't know I, I, just like one, one of these matches where I thought like all right any minute uh, Stuttgart will score and then it, it might become a S show so <laughs> I know but that's like not really analytical it's, it's more like kind of watching Borussia Dortmund uh, especially home ma home uh, matches for many many years now <laughs> and especially in the past few years I, I don't know like it was like the perfect storm for uh, Dortmund conceding a goal and then you know trailing not really coming back uh, taking risks and then maybe conceding another goal uh, luckily it didn't happen but um, I mean there were a few moments in the first half where I was like uh oh yeah, Could there be. were there were a couple of uh, moments where Stuttgart came really close to scoring, and I think Gregor Kobel had to make one really outstanding save where uh, uh, Akanji was beaten to a header. Basically, I don't know who took the shot in the end. Uh, Might have been Kulibali. Um but uh, yeah, I th I, th I think you're right in, in this regard, uh, especially the. Uh, uh, games where visitors were not allowed in uh, during the pandemic, uh, which is obviously still going on. Uh, but at least that stint, I think Dortmund, uh, at least at home, laid a couple of eggs. And uh, yeah, if if it's close like this, you feel like a lapse in concentration and, and one good counterattack can, can always, uh, you know, kill you. Or, you know, as we've seen in a sporting match, uh, one long ball can do the trick. Um, for this game, though, uh, obviously Rafael Guerrero was back as as left back, and I I think that really helped. You could see the instant uh, shift in in Dortmund's static, and uh, you know I I'm I'm honest with you. I thought that um, it calmed down uh, the the Dortmund side a little bit. They managed to uh, overload the left side uh, together with Hazard every now and then, and uh, managed to uh, you know get Royce and and Munio on on the right side that way. So. I, I think there were some, you know, promising signs, but obviously that's just not the time or the game where you would expect Dortmund to really dazzle anyone. To be honest, we're uh, late in November and yeah, this is how football games look these days, especially with the amount of injuries you have. And, uh, you know, Torgen Hazard wasn't really, uh, isn't to full fitness yet. Uh, Guerrero played, I think, si 65 minutes and then... Uh, picked up the next injury at the warm-up to the sporting game, so it's it's really not going well at all. But um, I, I think the big positive here, first of all, is that Marlon finally broke his Bundesliga duck. You know, it took him long enough. Uh, was a nice assist from Guerrero, uh, which once again highlights uh, how better Dortmund are combining uh, around the box when the opponent is sitting deep because uh, that was a neat pass and uh, Marlon was wide open and obviously... He had a little bit of luck, uh, too, because, uh, you know, Hiroko, Hiroki Ito deflected it so that Florian Müller couldn't really save that ball. But um, before that, I think he already had a really good chance where he had a header and uh, a couple other opportunities that he created for himself. And, uh, yeah, to me, I think this was Malen's best performance in the Dortmund shirt so far, especially because 
he worked very hard for it. How did you see it? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, uh, there were a couple of uh, recent performances that were all right. Uh, if you like cut out all the aspect of like scoring goals because <laughs> like that's kind of his job um i, I think he's he's uh, he's he's a much better um worker uh, i would say uh, than I, I actually expected because i've watched him many many times playing for psv in the eredivisie or internationally but especially in in, in the netherlands and he, he didn't come across like a you know a big time workhorse <laughs> Uh, more, more like uh, someone who's, who's really good at scoring goals and really finding these pockets and uh, drifting behind the line and you know timing his runs perfectly and all these kinds of things and being really ruthless inside the box um, and and also can uh, being able to like coming from the from the wing or getting through the whole space and not really you know being like this the center center forward uh, so I wasn't really sure about his work rate um, but uh, he, he somewhat surprised me recently I think he he noticed and acknowledged that he has to work a lot because he doesn't really score goals and yeah in in, in order to be part of the team and be valued uh, right now uh with having so so low scoring or not really any scores on his uh credit account uh, i guess like he really put on his working boots so that, that's what i liked also especially against stuttgart he made many many runs uh that didn't lead to anything but still he made them which is good, I think, because there are some players, who, like Jaden Sancho sometimes, you know, he, he sometimes just didn't make the run because like, he was thinking, like, oh, it doesn't lead to anything, so <laughs> I don't care. Uh, Malen often tries to run behind the line, even if there's a, a slim chance that he will actually get the ball, uh, or he, he drifts to one side and tries to stretch the defense and stuff like that. So that's what I like. Um, I think he was a little bit more, or he was somewhat cleaner, uh, more clinical, maybe inside the box. Uh, not only uh, when it came to the goal, in a few in a few instances, when he also played a nice pass or so, or so inside or around the box, you know, close to the goal, in some fashion. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a good performance, better performance uh, overall, I, I guess, uh, than we saw before. But I, I think he he at least convinced me recently in in a couple of matches that he um, tries his best. Yeah, I, Although, I, th I mean, I think when it comes to, when it comes to strikers. Sorry? I think that's a positive development because there were many games yeah. where you wouldn't think that. Yeah, and I mean, it's really hard because I, uh, when it comes to strikers, um, especially like center strikers, you you want him to um, to be clinical, to score goals, uh, to do their main job. Um, and like if you are Erling Haaland and you score a lot of goals, then you can maybe get away with a few things that are not really that good that that good uh, or a couple of sloppy things uh, when you are in a position like uh, like Marlins right now uh, where I don't really score goals uh, I think you have to offer something else at least and I mean to, to a, in a, in a different context but I mean that's what Stefan Tigges does, does also right I mean he, he barely scores any goals and he you know will be a big time goal scorer uh, on that level for Borussia Dortmund uh, but at least he, he works hard and, and tries to uh, be a you know pressing strikers so to say um, at least something like that and I think uh, with Marlon he, he acknowledged that, that he just 
can't get by with just scoring goals, which he sometimes did in Eindhoven, to be honest. I mean, he just, he, he, he worked not as hard, but he scored a lot of goals. He sometimes came in at, at halftime or so, uh, scored two goals and, you know, his team won. So, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't any ne necessity to really work hard because he, he was still the, the, the man of the match at the end. So, um, yeah. Uh, I liked his performance against Stuttgart uh, and uh, good for him that he scored there and he, um, yeah I know it's like kind of uh, it doesn't really matter but he also scored against Sporting which yeah, is at least did. something yeah no it, it's it's good you know to score in back-to-back -back games one way or another for his confidence at least personally I think it helps and uh, Marco Rosso said after the game about Marlon's performance the entire game makes me very optimistic because he was very active off and on the ball He put himself into the situations to score a goal. He set a benchmark in many areas for himself. Obviously, there's room for improvement. Today, he didn't wait for moments to happen for him, but made them happen, and that's the difference. So uh, I think that's a very concise statement that obviously sums up his performance well. Um, what I did like about his work rate, obviously, um, is that he uh, got two interceptions, and I think both were like sliding tackles where he just sort of snuffed out uh, the ball away from the uh, defender, and uh, I think uh, that's... Obviously, uh, something that, that catches the eye, but, um, you know, if there's one area I think he still significantly has to improve is the way he presses opponents, because um, over his 88 minutes, he had 10 pressures, and um, that doesn't really rank very high, uh, just for comparison. Stefan Tigges, as you just mentioned, as a pressing striker, I think he played for 16 minutes, and he had 11 pressures. So, <laughs> uh, obviously not that high, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take any improvement. I think it's, um, you know, uh, very timely because Dortmund did need that goal. And I think uh, scoring the opening goal was uh, the absolute key to win this game, even though it should get equalized, like, uh, I don't know, seven, six minutes later or so. Um, Roberto Massimo with a really nice goal, I think, Um Uh, left Hummels for that, but, uh, you know, if if you really want to talk about the chain of mistakes in this game, I feel like it starts with Julian Brandt playing sort of an eject pass to Akanji, who then dribbles forward and loses the ball there, and then isn't there to recover. I think Guerrero has a little slip too, and yeah, Hummels covers the wrong shooting boot, if you will, because... Uh, Yeah, Massimo obviously put the ball on his other foot and yeah, there's not much Kobel can do to be honest, but uh, it's usually the norm as, as Dortmund concede. But w what I found positive, and let's juxtapose this with uh, what happened after Dortmund conceded the first goal uh, against Sporting, is what I liked is that Dortmund didn't really fall apart instantly because sometimes I feel like uh, them conceding gives them a psychological blow, which... Uh, then they really start swimming at the back. And uh, yeah, this time it wasn't so. Emre Can came on as a left back right away for the tired Guerrero. And, uh, you know, I think he had an okay game as a left back. You know, it's not, you wouldn't expect a world-class performance, but he, he did bring uh, some dynamism. So I, I guess that's good. And then, of course, um, you know, it was... Uh, when, when all is said and done, I think it's just very positive that Dortmund didn't concede from a corner kick, uh, but instead turn it into a counterattack. And, uh, you know, Hazard and Royce driving up the ball, you know, good run by Hazard. And then Royce was very lucky to be at the right place at the right time to tap the ball in. But uh, yeah, three big points in, in the uh, overall context of the Bundesliga, especially because uh, other teams around Dortmund did lose too. I don't know if you want to count Freiburg, but... Uh, 
Leipzig, uh, who you know have been praised so much after their win against Dortmund, uh, fell very flat in Hoffenheim, and uh, Wolfsburg had a two-all draw. Our next opponents, obviously, in the Bundesliga against Bielefeld. So um, yeah, there's at least some distance now between fifth place and uh, yeah, I think fans took more notice now uh, about uh, you know getting closer to Bayern because the yellow wall was obviously chanting. Uh, see the Bayern die Lederhosen aus, uh, and then followed it up when uh, they celebrated with the team uh, with the old uh, Wer wird Deutscher Meister chant, and answered it with BVB Borussia. So this is something Konstantin we haven't heard in a while from Dortmund fans. To be honest, uh, for one reason is that uh, many haven't been there in a while, and the other reason being is that Dortmund just not often in uh, the title race and I feel like it was a spark of hope that was created. I don't know how much this is worth in the end. Uh, Dortmund's performances certainly doesn't shout title race at you but at least if you look at the table for now there's a chance Dortmund have to go through Wolfsburg first before they can get at Bayern but uh, you know uh, it, it's something to to uh, you know hold on to. Um, how do you assess this situation? Are Dortmund fans correct in, uh, you know, hoping for uh, some some tension at the very top of the Bundesliga? Uh, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I also like you. I like the uh, the different atmosphere, so to say, because like I mean, uh, most of these posts uh, closed door game. Uh, behind closed door matches whatever ghost game matches uh ghost game era matches you know what i mean uh when when fans returned uh most of these home games were quite mellow in comparison to maybe before pandemic time um i mean atmosphere was all right but it wasn't really it wasn't really the the typical signal iduna or should we say westfalenstadion atmosphere so um i liked it that there was a little bit more fire inside the stadium Uh, on the other hand like i i don't really like it that it's like really dependent on the table uh and and the situation in terms of the the championship race i I guess people shouldn't expect uh, too much um still I, in, in a perfect world, like uh, a win against Stuttgart and Bayern losing and Bayern having some struggles and like internal battles with uh, because of the Corona vac- vaccination situation and then also Qatar and so on, uh, you you might think, all right, uh, that gives Dortmund a little bit of, a, of an extra boost to maybe uh, challenge Bayern, uh, but then you turn around and lose in the Champions League. So, uh, you know, in, in, in a perfect world, like they, they also would have beaten Sporting. Or at least um, got a draw or something. Yeah, or something. Yeah, at least you know, be somewhat successful or keep your chances alive to uh, get to the next round in Champions League and not like losing decisively in a way. Um, so yeah, it's funny <laughs> you, you know, had me on it in, in Twitter Spaces pre-game and you asked me like about my emotional state and I was like, you know, my honest answer would have been I really hate that it's Champions League right now because uh, I would want to enjoy the high from the Bundesliga match a little longer. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it all came crashing down to be honest. Yeah, of course. <laughs> kind of what what happens, right? Uh, it's uh, yeah, I mean it would have been better to just play Bundesliga on on uh, Wednesday again, I think, you know, just like having another Bundesliga match uh, on Wednesday against some, someone 
who cares against whom uh, like you know getting the Bundesliga rolling again uh, now you are it's like a really a start-stop situation with Borussia Dortmund uh, when, when we really talk about the more emotional and psychological side right now um, so Well, we will see. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think there was a little bit of fire uh, inside the stadium. Uh, you know, <laughs> figuratively speaking, there was a fire inside the stadium um, against Stuttgart. But I don't know how much is still there. And now you, you have a away match against Wolfsburg, which is kind of all right. <laughs> not really, not really great. Um, Yeah, but but still, there's there's like Bayern and Bayern match looming, so at least there's something. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's just it's just hard to say. It's just it's it's really this season. It's really start stop start stop start stop. You have you have a couple of, of decent performances, but I remember, um, I mean, the Leipzig match was kind of a kind of a downer. But I also remember uh, the the Gladbach match, for instance. You know, you you got you got a couple of wins before that. I think four in a row. That's correct. Uh, close wins still uh, sometimes uh, you know defensively there were some issues still you had, you had these wins in your pocket and then you have a essentially a non-performance against Gladbach yeah this was a terrible day the office that you can't even really yeah. explain where it came from don't we're just horrid in this yeah. game you know yeah, but, but that's but that's the problem right that's a problem right you, you, you have a, you have some all right performances and then you have uh, like something like against uh, against Leipzig for instance Which was 45 minutes. It was like uh, the biggest crap ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, so it's it's really. So, so I think I think a lot of fans where they just think about like having success at Dortmund, being a successful team, not being like passionate about the club itself, but being passionate about having success. I think a lot of a lot of fans are right uh, right now are really hesitant about the team. <laughs> I think like, eh, uh, let's let's wait and see how things go <laughs> uh, because they don't really trust the team right now. Yeah, let's see where the chips may fall. I, I think that overall yeah. is a is a, is a good approach right now because um, with this Dortmund team, you really not know what will come next, especially all the uh, you know wildcard injuries, if you will. Because if we talk about the sporting game, um, which we should mm. do now because I don't have that much time. It's Thanksgiving here in the United States and uh, obviously my little basement room where I record is right underneath the kitchen so if you hear any yelling or uh, any other stuff uh, from upstairs uh, yeah that's just uh, my half Italian family uh, talking to each other <laughs> so don't be concerned uh, as there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah so let's, let's uh, try to uh, wrap things up also because I don't really want to talk about this freaking game uh, that much because I just want to forget about it to be honest but um Oh. I must say, I thought the first half hour was very positive. Um, we've talked about uh, minimizing errors. I thought Dortmund did this up un until the errors <laughs> very well. And <laughs> <laughs> All right, they, they survived until they died. So, <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, you, you, you can you can lose your crap already uh, before the thirty third minute or whatever. And, um, you know, considering that was Hanye in midfield, you had uh, Schultz starting uh, as a sort of uh -huh. su surprise starter. Um, and, uh, you know, also Schultz just coming back from injury. He's not really in form either. Hanye first Champions League start, someone you don't expect anything from uh, to begin with, uh, let alone in the Champions League. You know, it, yeah. it was okay. Dortmund didn't really uh, perform on, on the highest level, but uh, I thought they did their job okay. And uh, considering this was a patchwork team, Hummels was suspended too. You had, you know, half half a new backline basically, uh, midfield mixed up. 
I thought um, they did sort of what they had to do. And, uh, you know, it's very unfortunate that this sort of effort is completely outdone by one long punt by the center back, which was just sort of uh, trying to free themselves. And, uh, yeah, a horrible moment by Nico Schulz, to be honest. And uh, Pongracic should have speculated that his uh, teammate wouldn't get to the ball. Uh, but he didn't, and uh, yeah, Dortmund were instantly punished for it. Um, and uh, then what happened is that they collapsed even more. Then uh, Sporting, I, I, I think Marco Rose actually said it best, that uh, Sporting were, were basically shook and nowhere in the game, and all of a the sudden they're very much in the game and uh, Dortmund have to like ride waves of pressure, and I think there was a really good and vital block by Witzel, but uh, you know, there's only so much you can do. And then, of course, I think it was the Rainier who, who lost his marker. Um, again, when uh, Pedro Gonçalves scored uh, the, the second one, you know, it's within nine minutes and you are 2-0 down. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about this game, uh, Konstantin, but, you know, the, the, the first half is so vexing because it, it just feels so needless and we can talk about all the injuries and all... Uh, uh, the problems Dortmund do have, but even that still feels very self-inflicted. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I know what to make of it. I mean, of course, in a way, you and I and, and a couple of other people, Dortmund fans, uh, we had the Twitter spaces before the match, and I think we were quite positive all. And I think I even received a couple of messages afterwards uh, from people saying that maybe we were too positive. Um, and they said it to me before, actually, Dortmund conceded the first goal. So I know, maybe we were. Uh, but also, we, we didn't see that um, that Rafa Guerrero had to um, be dropped from the starting eleven because it happened like a couple of minutes before that. But I mean, to be honest, when I saw the, the tweet um, that Nico Schulz will be uh, in the in the starting eleven and <laughs> Rafa Guerrero will be dropped, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I like like my feeling was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was um, like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it's already, it's already yeah, here we go now. Here we go again. Um, what was what was the alternative? Uh, it was Emre Can. Um, and so I was really, I was really sure. I was like, okay, may maybe it won't matter that Nico Schultz will play. Uh, in the Jose Avala, maybe it won't, uh, you know, maybe there, but then uh, I don't know. Then I, I watched Sporting, I was like, ah, that, that could be an issue. Um, actually, uh, a big one uh, down the road. I mean, yeah, the, the first 30 minutes, as you said, were, were, were all right. Um, I think the two center backs um, stood quite deep in, in, in build up uh, just for a reason to be as far away from any kind of pressing as they could uh, to don't make, to don't uh, feel any pressure and, you know, stuff like that. Which which is okay, I guess, because Pongracic had that uh, horrible performance against Leipzig. Um, so I guess he had to recover from that a little bit psychologically. Um, so so there was that. Uh, but uh, with time and time, you, you felt like, and then it actually happened uh, when Schulz and Pongracic had yeah, a little misunderstanding there. Um, <laughs> that yeah, they they didn't what? know where the ball was going. <laughs> they misunderstood the ball. No, it was it was uh, yeah, it was like really Sunday league like tremendous. You know what the, um, no the most annoying part is though, because we have coined the phrase or term "sad pieces" on this podcast, obviously. Mm -hmm. But 
I think dot one have been all done by simple longboards a million times and I think the most painful one was obviously the one that led to Iron Robin's very late goal in the Champions League final. But boy, there have been so oh, many yeah. instances where, uh, you know, the opponent just punts it and all of a sudden everything just, just goes to flame and there's chaos and, and sparks are flying and I don't know, it's, it's just, it's so unnecessary. It, it's really... Um, and <laughs> now it, 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 it really isn't is an issue in a way uh, because uh, these are the, the, the easiest kinds of situations on paper I know long balls can be kind of tricky especially if you play with a medium high line i know i don't know what to call it um <laughs> but it was really a high line and like like bayern or something you know was was medium high uh, mid high mid, mid, midway high um no but we really you, you see something like that you think you think can happen of course even on high level you know league one top tier level whatever uh, champions league level but on the other hand you think like i mean if you make these kinds of mistakes and you look that amateurish uh, maybe you don't deserve to get to the knockout stages of a champions league no, absolutely not be i mean be because that's that's something you expect from n n name a lower level name I don't, I don't know i don't want to insult anyone like like i don't know dinamo zagreb or something <laughs> yeah i don't even know if i would expect this from anyone in the Champions League, to be honest, because yeah. that, that really is an egregious mistake, and it's uh, almost poetic justice for Michael Zorg that uh, one of his worst transfers of all time, Nico Scholz, the 25 million euro grave, as we would call it in Germany, uh, is the one committing this error, because it just goes to show how important player recruitment is, and not throwing, uh, you know, money out of the window, and... Uh, yeah, uh, the, the the sad part here is, uh, and I'm not the, the biggest Marius Wolf fan in terms of Michael Zorc's recruitment, but my at least my feeling is, had Wolf been fit to play in this game and not Schulz, I, this wouldn't have happened. I, you know, he has been way more solid than that. Um, you know, obviously it's not easy for Schulz uh, since he has been injured for uh, a long time as well, because uh, why would anyone be fit? Um but yeah, still, this is uh, this is a comical error, and uh, yeah, that, that obviously you you can pin this on Schultz, but what you cannot pin on Schultz is that Dortmund then collectively uh, had brain flatulence <laughs> for like <laughs> ten minutes straight, uh, ending uh, and and climaxing, if you will, in uh, the second goal from Sporting, which. Uh, Maybe it was a little bit of a lucky shot, but uh, maybe you also don't have completely inexperienced players like Ranier running around like headless chicken and not uh, realizing that uh, there's maybe someone you can mark. You know, it was pretty glaring, and uh, I don't know if you want to blame the coach for it or the recruitment, or but it's just a combination of bad decisions that uh, were done in the instant and done uh, in the long term. So... That, that that's sort of the, the, the things that annoy me the most about this game is that there is so much coming together of uh, things you can't really be blamed for and things you can absolutely be, be blamed for. And so mm -hmm. Dortmund will have to play Europa League now. Great. I mean, in a way, maybe it is for the better. 
I don't know, getting humiliated by Man City or something in the round of 16 in Champions League might not be that great, actually. <laughs> I don't know, but you know what's great? Uh, 15 million euros is great. <laughs> yeah, of, of course, of course. But but on the other hand, it, it really... The entire game against Sporting, much more in my in my opinion than the Ajax matches, especially. I mean, the first one was kind of also horrendous uh, in, in phases, um, but the second one was really shaped and 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 influenced by the red card against Matsumil's ridiculous red card. Um, but the the match against Sporting, against a team that has some talent, there are some good players, great players. Some will who will probably move to Spain or England quite soon. Um, but but you really have they they are not really an outstanding team, um, and on the other hand you have Dortmund with <laughs> Nico Schulz and even Pongracic in a way and Emre Can also who cost a lot of money, um, and you got all these players uh, even Julian Brandt sometimes I don't know, and you got all these players and they are okay they are good but it's not enough I guess. You know, um, and and like it really shows you what you just said about player recruitment, um, and and uh, Dortmund has to be much much better when it comes to signings and uh, really signing players who fit, but also players who are capable of performing at a high level for the next two, three, four years. Which sometimes you you have like the feeling that they are signed right at the point when they are dropping off. Um, so yeah, really, it might it might really really be a sign um, towards Dortmund's uh, leadership that uh, they have to do something else and they have to change things. Uh, they are great at, at detecting young talent, but when it comes to like uh, mature talent, they are not. Um, and also uh, one last ping, uh, point, maybe um, on the uh, sporting disaster uh, is. Marco Rose is also kind of uh, Marco Rose has morphed into kind of one of the Dortmund players in a way because he, he doesn't really make any crucial mistakes right I mean he, he never really makes like mistakes where you think like oh my, oh my god what, what, what did he do there uh, you know he completely fumbled the game or something but he also uh, seldom stands out with anything I don't know surprising clever creative <laughs> It's like, you know? Yeah, I, 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 know. Maybe I have I'm, to I'm, agree. Uh, it's like a big bowl of meh. I, and uh, he doesn't really make any mistakes, right? I mean, he doesn't really, it's never like he, he, he hasn't really lost a, a, a match. No, it's... Yeah, it's where I think like the coach was, was, was kind of, uh, the, there wasn't any match this season so far where I thought, all right, the coach was responsible for defeat. No. But it's also kind of has he any has he won any matches with like kind of a smart mid mid game adjustment or something? No. So yeah, uh, I, I I don't know what what to make of all this, uh, Constantine. To be honest, because um, this is obviously a dent in the uh, status of Marco Rose Dortmund, where after all the number one seed in this uh, Champions League group, and I think everyone after seeing uh, the draw expected to Dortmund to be either first or second, but uh, third place kind of feels unacceptable. And uh, yes, they were obviously plagued by a million injuries. And with the full fit squad, I think the the uh, story is very different. Um, but, you know, that all being said, um, it's, it, it, it's still just a, a very frustrating uh, period right now in terms of... Uh, the, the football that it's actually played because yes we can all rave about uh, Dortmund getting a lot of results in the Bundesliga right now against Stuttgart and whatnot but um, at the same point 
there's not the, the sort of development uh, you want to see. Um, you know, which I guess to a certain extent is understandable, but um, what I'm trying to say is I don't really, I can't tell you if someone asks me, hey, what is uh, the, the coaching philo philosophy of Marco Rosa? What is his plan and his idea for Borussia Dortmund? Um, what it is, I can't tell you because I don't think we have really seen it yet. And that's a bit of a shame. Obviously, what I did appreciate is uh, the diamond formation because um, in, in general, Dortmund uh, have struggled, especially under Favre, to build from the back quite a lot, especially the, the first uh, moments of, of build-up. Uh, you know, I, I talked about it yesterday a little bit, where you pass it over to a fullback and then you have no exit strategy from there. Mm. I think that has improved a little bit uh, when the, the diamond is... Uh, uh, you know, enacted because there are more channels open where you can pass it through the middle. And those are a couple of details I think have improved somewhat somewhere at some point. But obviously, uh, we haven't seen the diamond recently that often. We have seen a back four uh, or a back five and we have seen a four, three, three and all kinds of other stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like right now it's more about trying to save yourself into the, the winter break and, and then maybe work a little bit more on, on what you actually want to do. So, Constantine, um, while I just voiced sort of my uh, general frustrations um, before we talk about the, the, the second half shit show of this game, um, maybe you can help me zoom out a little and uh, either explain to me what the plan really is or explain to me why it's not working. <laughs> just in general, the entire plan. Yeah, just like the the the, the I don't know the, the 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 rough idea of what Marco Rose's football you think according to Marco Rose is supposed to look like. I know it's not the easiest question to ask, but yeah, I feel that's like you're that's capable. kind of and that's why I just said about Marco Rose, he doesn't really make any any, any like crucial mistakes or like obvious blatant mistakes or something, uh, but but he's like kind of the right now at least he's like kind of the Julian uh, Julian maybe not but um, maybe the uh, who, who might be a better uh, example like the Manuel Akanji of, of 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 coaching in a way or. I don't know. I, I can't really find anyone, but he doesn't really make like big mistakes or something. But you don't. Also, I don't have really an idea what he uh, actually has to offer. I think um, he has a good baseline, but I just don't see a high ceiling yeah, right now. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, but but that's also the the thing when I look back at at Gladbach last year. Um, and I think that was kind of the same that Gladbach they played okay football for the most part. I'm sure, they lost a few matches, but when it uh, when it went up against really you know big teams also, but then you can still point to individual uh, quality and discrepancies. Um, but there wasn't also really an, an clear cut idea. And right now, what, what I don't like about uh, Borussia Dortmund football is. They don't really have a high press, although they play like three or four players up front, but they are pressing at the halfway line or somewhere or just, you know, just covering space, uh, doing a little bit man to man and, and covering a lot of space. Uh, and that's about it. There's no pressure. There's no like uh, forcing the opposing team towards one side, forcing them into certain zones, to doing something like that, which a lot of teams do nowadays, actually. Um, then, then another thing I don't like about, about Dortmund is it build up plays uh, many many teams now in the Bundesliga and elsewhere play with at least one fullback deeper 
Topman really doesn't do that. I mean, Mounier is like, he runs straight forward, no matter what. Um, he, has, he has improved a little bit and he doesn't do it as, as much as he did uh, in the past uh, still. Um, and, and Schultz, I don't know, <laughs> lost course, I guess. Uh, <laughs> put him on the export list and be done with that subject. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of kind of that. Um, so, but I don't, I don't really know what what, what like Marco Rosa football looks like. It, it, funnily enough, it, it looks like a little bit of a more uh, of, of of a less uh, risk averse uh, Lucien Favre football in in, in some way. Um, slightly less risk averse Lucien Favre football, and that's kind of it. Um, there is. Yeah, I mean, actually, if we're honest, like there could also be Aiden Terzic at the sideline, and I wouldn't really, you know, Notice. be surprised. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I uh, have that, to agree with you, to be honest. So he, I he know has... what his idea is. I don't know. I don't know if he wants to play fast. I don't know if he wants to have a good counter press. I don't know if he wants to have a, a high press that works against the ball and forces opponents to the wings or something. I don't know if, if the build up should go through the center backs or through the full backs or through Witzel or through maybe Bellingham. I don't know. You see everything and, and anything and nothing, uh, exactly. basically, uh, during the matches. Um, I don't sometimes know what, what Marco, Ro uh, Marco Roy's role is. I mean, I, he, still, he, he plays well, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's more about, like, what his role is. Uh, yesterday, I wasn't really sure what Julian Brandt's role was, because sometimes he was more in the middle, then he was more on the wing, then he was really outside and was nowhere close to what, you know, to anywhere where, where maybe danger could be. Um, um, Jude Bellingham, first half, uh, all right, but not really, you know, nothing going on there. Second half, all of a sudden, you are like uh, pushing the team forward, like Leon Goretzka style or something. Uh, is it uh, do do the players just do their own thing? And <laughs> because sometimes it looks like that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with Julian Brandt, sometimes he does just his own stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean. <laughs> I don't know if it was the Cologne game or so where Dortmund pressed like really hard and really well for like two minutes and then it just ran out of steam and I think Rosa sort of yeah. talked about this. So maybe uh, if if this team was capable of it, they would press high, but maybe they just don't have the legs and the minds for it. I don't know. I, I really don't. I think he can only ask Rosa that and he may or may not answer, to be honest. But uh yeah, we have to wrap things up very soon. So um, let's talk <laughs> about um, the second half and the uh, red card situation. And um, mm. yeah, uh, this is obviously, I don't know if you need to give a red card. I think this was a bad call to make. But um, here are a couple of thoughts I have on that. The, the number one is, if anyone deserved a red card in this entire ordeal, probably it was Akanji because I thought he punched a guy <laughs> in the stomach. Uh, so he was down on the floor and then, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it was Emre Can or, or not, who decided to not play the ball out of play. Mm. And that was already, uh, I don't know if it was a dumb idea, but it, it got emotions high. And then obviously... Um, what uh, Pedro Porro did was, in my view, very dirty. Uh, he certainly did, you know, kick Emre Can. And, uh, yeah, the, the the next problem is just that Emre Can is uh, a, a very highly tempered guy. And I'm pretty sure that in the preparation to this uh, game, uh, the, the coach put uh, his 
his picture on 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 the on the flipboard and wrote whatever fucking idiot means in portuguese and just say provoke this clown and he'll make a mistake and this is exactly what happened so uh yeah uh i'm not going to say emre can uh you know deserve to be sent off here but it was still extremely stupid and extremely unnecessary the entire situation was just childish and unnecessary yeah. And uh, I think Dortmund just got shithoused there. And uh, this must just not happen because Emre Can was really just signed for his experience for the Champions League. I think Vatsko or Zorc, any of those, talked about this when, when he was signed, that uh, him being a veteran is supposed to help, especially in the high-profile games. And I think Emre Can has shed the bed so fucking hard that it's just really annoying. And I've said it before in this podcast, I just don't want him in a Dortmund shirt anymore. I'm just tired of it. And uh, yeah, that that's an end of rant because, you know, just 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 forget about it. You know, it's it, it didn't work out. He's probably paid way too much money uh, for the performances he's showing. And uh, on top of that, you always have to like uh, worry about him either making a weird mistake or something really freaking stupid. So yeah, there's that. Now you can talk. Yeah, about totally. It. I'm. I mean, we don't have to uh, prolong anything, but yeah, totally. I, I'm. I'm not impressed by Emerson one way or another. Um, I mean, I don't know what he does in the locker room or on a training pitch or whatever. I mean, that's kind of all right. But you have other people to, you know, do that. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Alex Tickler, who is one of the assistant coaches, might be a good leader. So you know, like a good locker room talker or so. Um, or Marco Reis probably also. Yeah, uh, I don't think Emerson is, is really that essential right now i'll be honest yeah and, and like oh gregor kobel like he he, he kind of uh, gives me the vibe of someone who, who likes to take a little bit of responsibility also because he, he doesn't really make any uh, big mistakes or barely any mistakes um so he can also you know if he if he gives uh, some instructions to other uh, teammates that's that's all right i mean he has to be respected at this point um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what to make of Emerjani as like this kind of, uh, you know, I don't I don't let uh, people get to me attitude or you know, no no no. Actually, it's different. <laughs> it's like kind of this I don't take any any crap attitude, uh, which is okay. Um, but uh, keep in mind, like if if you you know let yourself provo- be provoked and then uh, do something, you might be sent off or whatever. And also, I mean, apart from the red card, I I just he 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 comes he comes on of course bloody bad situation still he comes on and then he tries to i don't know put a uh, take over the wheel so to say uh, for like five six minutes it doesn't really work out and then he just becomes another player on the field. yeah he, he tried to dribble through all of sporting basically yes yeah but, but only, only for the first five six seven minutes yeah, or something then and then the like he, <laughs> Yeah, but also you notice probably that, oh, that doesn't really work here. All right, uh, then I just, uh, let me just be another uh, ordinary left back. Okay, uh, <laughs> I just hide I just hide in the bushes like Homer Simpson or something. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, like, he gets sent off and, uh, yeah, I, I don't really like it. And I think his, his spot could be uh, occupied by a younger player um, who's hungry and who doesn't really, who doesn't get half the salary that uh, Emre John gets and and so on. Like there, there are people, there are options. You you can probably sign uh, or promote or whatever, um, and not use Emerson. Um, and I think as opposed to maybe Axel Witzel, 
yeah, I know Axel Witzel uh, also hasn't really played that well in recent times, but still, at least he has earned some standing in in the team because of some performance he or because of many performance he had in the past. Well, Axel so, Witzel for us isn't a total moron. <laughs> so let's no, of course, not, of course not. I mean, he's just a little, he's just a little bit too slow, a little bit, you know, he has he has lost some agility and and he, he knows it. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think he. I mean, he realizes that he's kind of slow. He tries his best. What can he do? I mean, if, if you are getting older, he has older a higher footballing he, IQ. I still think he he reads the game rather well, and uh, you know, yeah, he, he, just, he does make mistakes. Yes, but um, it, it, it's, it's different. It's different. Of course, I mean, I, I like, I like, I still like Axel Witzel, the player. It's, it's kind of, it's just a situation where he, he wasn't really fast to begin with. He wasn't really agile uh, 10 years ago or so. Uh, and of course, he has, he has gotten considerably slower at this point. Yeah, but that um, being he said, still can read the game. That being said, uh, I also think that Witzel's peak is mountains higher than Emre Can's was. So, um, Mm -hmm. maybe yeah. I, don't, I don't know but that that's my opinion but we have to move on like don't want to have to move on from Emil Chan uh, because I'm running out of time here so uh, quickly the Zagadou penalty um, which uh, I guess was really unfortunate because had Dortmund not considered a penalty there uh, there was always this hope to skill, still score this one goal which they eventually did and then uh, maybe you know blow out Besiktas and hope for Ajax uh, doing something special against Sporting in the other game on the final match day but uh Finally, with this penalty, um, all hope was taken away. Um, obviously, the challenge itself was was a bit clumsy, and um, you know, it's once again speaks volumes that you have to rely on Dan Axel Zagadou on an absolutely crucial Champions League, you know, match in in a, in a very crucial phase of the game. I think he came on in the 66th minute for Rainier, and uh, yeah, it it just didn't really work out to be honest. Uh, let's let's be honest, but. My expectation is also, you know, if 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 you were uh, bringing on Zagadou and Tigges uh, with 25 minutes to go to sort of win back the game, I I think you've already sort of lost. And uh, yeah, uh, what what actually annoys me more than giving away the penalty was uh, letting then Pedro Porro score uh, because Porro just <laughs> reacted quicker to it, and uh, Zagadou was just sort of ball watching. Um, I I feel like it, in in general the uh, BVB in BVB stands for ball watching very badly <laughs> in, 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 uh, in this game. I don't know if that that rolls off smoothly off the tongue, but it's okay. Yeah, well, what, whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just very annoying that uh, they were just so slow in their minds as well. You know, Khanye for the two 0 and then Zagadou for the for the three 0 if you will. Obviously, Poro has uh, quicker legs, but then you need to. Uh, give yourself a couple of meters to uh, time the shot or, or the the run into the box a little bit better mm -hmm. if you're Zagadou. I think these are just tiny little details that also decide games. And uh, yeah, very annoying. And uh, with that, Dortmund playing the Europa League next season uh, uh, or next next year rather. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. Um, because uh, yeah, I'm I'm still a bit annoyed. Maybe Dortmund win the Europa League as they have never done before. But uh, I'll be honest, I'm not feeling that either. I'm just more pissed that uh, we have to watch games on Thursdays now because this is usually when I record the podcast. So I have to remodel everything, and then of course a lot of games are on Sunday when I like to watch Formula One. So uh, yeah, this is all a, a big annoyance to me, and uh, I am not happy. So uh, please have that noted at the highest uh, uh, ranks of the club that Stefan Butzko is uh, disappointed and annoyed. <laughs>
So anyway, uh, we have like three or four minutes left, Constantine, to discuss uh, the upcoming game against VfL Wolfsburg, who obviously have rebounded since uh, appointing Florian Kohfeldt after Mark van Bommel was the first <laughs> one to get booted out of the Bundesliga. Um, so what can we say about Wolfsburg, who I think lost their game in Sevilla? Yeah, they lost their game in Sevilla and they drew um, with Arminia Bielefeld, who's also not kind of... And they also actually were behind two goals against Bielefeld. So, um, they, I mean, they, they are not a, a frightening side or anything. There was a little bit of an... Of an boost after Kofeld came in. I still think there's there's one like minor thing we have to keep in mind. Uh, Wolfsburg, they have strong wing players. Ritle Baku, first and foremost. Uh, Renato Steffen can be one. Uh, Otavio, to some extent. So they, they are, or Luca Bacchio, maybe if he comes uh, through the left or right side. So I think like Dortmund's vulnerability on the wings can be a bit of an issue against Wolfsburg. I think that's the biggest issue. Um, and also long balls. I mean, about Weichost, uh, Wolfsburg center forward, uh, since he is, I don't know, <laughs> uh, seven feet tall or anything. I don't know. He looks like it. He's not, but you know, you get it. Um, he's, he's very tall um, and kind of, and very physical. So there is a bit of an, um, might be a bit of an issue there um, w with Dortmund's defensive vulnerabilities. Uh, we will see. Ritle Bago will, will come over the right side. Maybe against Emre Can, I don't know. Um, depends a little bit on the Guerrero situation. So, um, yeah, there, there there are some points where I'm concerned that maybe Dortmund will will concede goals. Uh, so, and that would be difficult then to come back. Uh, you can score against Wolfsburg, of course, but, you know, with the sporting match and everything that's, and if you really have, like, a few downers in the first half, uh, can you really bounce back from that? I don't know. So, other than that, I think Dortmund is the better team. Should win. We will see. Yeah. So, uh, what are you making of uh, Lukas Nemcharov? Obviously, who is uh, the leading goalscorer for Wolfsburg with five goals. Um, I think he just had his first uh, Germany A team call up. So, mm. uh, it's is that something someone Dortmund have to worry about more than uh, like the the Vikos or the Bakus of the world? No, Mecha is is okay. Um, uh, it's hard to say really it was disappointing when he played for Germany recently um, because he had a couple of, of uh, goal scoring opportunities really botched it there um, overpaced also a little bit maybe because it was his first match and you know stuff like that uh, maybe a, bit, a little bit too excited about the whole thing um, he is more of a ground-based striker, so to say, although he's, he's also not, not small or short or anything, but he's, he's a bit more of a ground-based uh, winger-striker hybrid type of player. Uh, he, he usually plays uh, behind Weichhorst or, you know, a little bit behind Weichhorst. Uh, and Wout Weichhorst is up front as the really tall, lengthy player uh, for aerial duels. And Mecha is more kind of the player who picks up these balls. So he... Dortmund has to focus on Weichhorst, of course, but uh, if, if they really realize that they can't really win against Weichhorst in the air, which probably is the case, um, then they might have to cover Mecha um, so that Mecha can't pick up the layoffs. Um, might, might be actually a smart strategy to really cover Mecha as tightly as possible so they can't really uh, pick up any layoffs from Weichhorst. Because uh, winning aerials against Weichhorst, uh, good luck with that. He, he, he as, even as a striker, um, he wins 
the majority of his aerial duels, which normally a striker do, uh, doesn't do because like, because of uh, as, as you yes. can imagine, <laughs> yeah. as you can imagine. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, maybe you just give up and, and don't really try <laughs> and just cover, cover all the layoff options uh, around the Vichos and there's Mecha as, as like the first target for Vichos uh, header layoffs. Yeah, it's obviously interesting because Dortmund's historically, uh, I don't know how long their winning streak is, but I think against Wolfsburg, uh, it, it's its the longest ongoing one uh, of consecutive wins. But uh, I'm not really I'm not really too sure uh, about Dortmund going into this game uh, about the form. Now, obviously, we, we saw glimpses of Dahoud being back. Um, I don't know if he'll feature in the starting lineup. Might probably come too soon. Uh, obviously, Mats Hummels is a bit better rested now, so at least in that regard... It's helpful. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, it, it's good for Dortmund to have a whole week between that game and the Bayern game, so um, they can at least rest up a little bit. But uh, yeah, this is obviously crucial for multiple things. First of all, it's crucial for the overall tension in the Bundesliga because if Dortmund don't win this, um, you know, there's not much they will be able to do against Bayern either, to be honest. And the, the second part is you need those pawns because. There's a good chance you're not getting any against Bayern. You know, even if it's a home game, I don't think they don't want other favorites in in, in this match. So uh, having two losses in a row, for example, would just hurt uh, your your standing in the Bundesliga. I mean, right now Dortmund are seven points away from uh, fifth place, and that's a nice cushion. But uh, you know, we just got knocked out of the Champions League, and uh, maybe we we should at least retain the chance of uh, being knocked out of the Champions League like that next season too, <laughs> instead of playing the Europa League. I mean, uh, it can always happen that uh, Wolfsburg and Leipzig have uh, some miraculous comeback and then, uh, you know, you look a little you look a little silly. So, um, you know, not in the context of a title race, I think this is super important. Obviously it is, but I think just uh, in, in general and, uh, you know, just for me, being in a good mood, it's also very important. So, Constantine, that all being said, I'm not really sure what the lineup from Dortmund is going to be because I'm going to do a lot of things because I'll play Nico Schulz from the beginning again and I'm also not sure if I would start Chaini again. So, um, yeah, the problem is options are very, uh, you know, thin right now because, of course, Torgen Hazard is out with COVID. Um, that is a very painful loss, as we've just found out. Um, and I, I think he would be a player that's really helpful against Wolfsburg. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the lineup will be um, or uh, who will even be available because maybe someone picked up a knock or an injury uh, in, uh, in in Lisbon as well. You know, it wouldn't surprise me awfully if, for example, Bellingham needs a break or so. So, um, yeah, any, any changes you foresee? And if not, uh, please uh, give us a prediction maybe. Yeah, I guess Henny might be dropped. Um, although I don't really know who will replace him. Probably John. I'm not sure. Maybe. I, w- I would do that rather actually than have John. A, yeah, I would. I would play John instead of Ranier rather. I don't. Um, yeah, or maybe Tigas. I don't know. Then Marlon has to play on the winger. It's, yeah, maybe maybe John or maybe Dahoud. Um, yeah, I don't. Dahoud might be. I don't know if Dahoud can start yet. Uh, I hope so. Um, he has to, <laughs> please. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure about the the fitness situation, but uh, maybe. I mean, if Dahoud can play, he should play. Uh, maybe he can arise. 
or maybe t- I don't know. Henny wasn't wasn't really convincing. Maybe Ansgar Knauf hmm. um, might be an option actually, um, because he can also track back uh, on the left side against Riedle Baku. So maybe Ansgar Knauf playing against Baku to have at least some you know someone who's intense. You know, here's the here's the one Ansgar Knauf argument I actually didn't make for the Sporting game, but wanted to make because a he has played the quarterfinal against Man City and wasn't half bad, but also. Um, if you think bigger picture, uh, I don't think Rainier was going to explode in this game one way or another. And uh, <laughs> this guy, Rainier, is going to be gone either, uh, you know, next month or uh, six months later. And uh, it's going to be dubbed a failed loan because that's what it is. Meanwhile, Ansgar Knauf is uh, actually someone who you can develop. And maybe if there's some upside, you can gain from it in the long term, unlike with Rainier. So um, obviously, that was a game where short-term thinking should have prevailed uh, either way, but uh, so you know, um, if if we have to pick between Rainier and Ansgar Knauf, then I'm going with Knauf. Even though I think I heard Rose mention at the press conference after the match um, that Rainier trained really well for whatever that is worth. Yeah, it's alright, but but you make a good argument. That's that's kind of how you how you have to view uh, things. Like it's it's the same in in, in defense. Uh, Pongracic is only there for, as as a lone player. If if uh, Sagadu gets better, or maybe Namdi Collins, you know, gets uh, gets better in the second half of the season or something. You have to, or you should try to play your um, your younger prospects who are there, who will be with the club uh, in the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean, you can play if Hinyi would have been like kind of a big time addition to the to the offense. All right, do it, of course, do it. Uh, why not? Uh, but. I mean, it's not gonna gonna happen, right? Um, so yeah, uh, and also I think Ansgar Knauf is much more reliable when it comes to tracking back, playing defensively, uh, do, doing kind of these duties. And so I guess I would favor him against Baku, as I said. So there you go. And then, like in terms of predictions, I guess it will be an nitty gritty two one win for Dortmund. So they will keep it alive so to say uh, for the Bayern match and you know they will keep it close because Bayern play play against uh, Bielefeld eh, I don't see play, Bielefeld uh, spoiling anything uh, at Munich you know yeah so. no it, it, it's hard to imagine to be honest but uh, you know it was also hard to imagine of Augsburg doing anything and there you go so anyway I, <laughs> I don't know I think it's going to be a very messy game and uh, I don't know I want to predict 3-2 to two for Dortmund but then again I wonder where Dortmund would score three goals from, so I don't know. It's a bit of a head-scratcher, but I also don't want to uh, predict a draw or a loss, so I'm just going to stay with that. And, um, you know, I hope everyone else stays with us uh, for the next 400 or so episodes. So, uh, yeah, obviously this was episode 400. Uh, I'm afraid we couldn't do anything special, but, uh, you know, uh, Dortmund neither didn't. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's that. <laughs> Um, Constantine, uh, as always, I, I thank you very much for coming on and lending your expertise for uh, this uh, hour now. And uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, I want to thank Matthias and uh, Lars, of course, also for being regulars on the show. And uh, shout out also to Abel Mesheros and Adam Dorowski for, uh, you know, coming on as semi-regulars. And uh, so, yeah, uh, with all that being said, uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, etc. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can uh, follow me personally at Stefan School. You can follow uh, the Yellow Wallpot at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to 
fin uh, support us financially, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall if you either want to sponsor an episode or just, you know, want to chip in with a dollar. So that'd be very nice. And uh, yeah, as always, thank you for listening and we'll be back with a review of the Wolfsburg game and a preview of the Bayern game next week. Until then, uh, stay safe and goodbye.